0: On January 19th, 2020, one of us had an opportunity to preach, but then we had this really wonderful idea. What if we just preach the message together? That means half the work, half the writing, and half the speaking. Genius. Genius.
1: (laughs) Why hadn't anyone else thought of this before? But there was a catch. Yeah,
0: so my wife was pregnant at that time with our first child, and her due date was January 30th. And the entire time we were writing the message together, we were joking with each other, Even up until the night before, can you imagine if Hina went into labor right now? So I woke up on that Sunday morning, got dressed for the morning, now seconds away from walking out the door, and my wife goes, hey, John, I feel like something's not right. So she calls the nurse, and they say she needs to come in immediately. But to be honest, in my mind, I'm thinking, I've spent so many hours working on the sermon with Leah. So do you want me to just drop you off at the hospital, Hina, or pick you up later? (laughs) But clearly something wasn't right. So at like seven in the morning, just hours before Leah and I were supposed to give our message together, I call Leah.
1: So John tells me that the nurse is recommending that we come into the hospital right now. And I could not believe that the thing we had been joking about for weeks was actually happening. So here we are on Sunday morning, it's seven o'clock in the morning on a FaceTime with him. I'm standing in my kitchen. We're prepared to do a run through. And he keeps telling me that he's going to try to be there at the 915 service, <laughs> which as a new parent myself knew was not going to happen, which it didn't. But here's actually a picture of John in his Sunday clothes in the hospital, still thinking he was going to make it. So I give this message by myself, right down to having a certain place on stage where I'd stand when I would tell John's part and other places where I'd stand when i tell my part, which I needed to clarify early on as the opening story was a first-person narrative of John's engagement to Hina.
0: Yep, and and later that night at 11.19pm on January 19th, 2020, Hina gave birth to our amazing and beautiful daughter Shiloh. But it was not long after she was born that this awe and wonder of this beautiful child turned into anxiety and worry. Because after she was born, the nurses noticed that she was a little jittery. She wasn't quickly recovering to her birth weight. And they saw that her daughter had low blood sugar levels. So they needed us to stay a little longer in the hospital to monitor her condition. And immediately, my wife especially was overcome with an intense stress and anxiety. As a new parent, not really knowing what was gonna happen. And those weeks at home with her and every subsequent doctor's visit was filled with an incredible worry because we were worried we didn't know what was going to happen at the end of this story.
1: Have you ever thought about how much clarity you might have about a situation if you just knew what happened at the end? You know that feeling if you have your own story of wonder and uncertainty in the labor and delivery room? you know that feeling if you are someone you love is in the midst of an infertility journey or experiencing the grief of a miscarriage you know that feeling if you have a loved one in your life that you worry about maybe a child a parent a friend a partner someone's well-being and future that you think about and worry about there's a lot of uncertainty and fear that comes in the not knowing the end
0: it happens even with small things right so my wife is absolutely terrified of watching any movie that has someone pop up out of nowhere. We could be watching Frozen and if Elsa popped out of nowhere, she would scream. <laughs> and, which was honestly really difficult for us to watch movies in public together, but she recently discovered a website called whereesthejump.com, this is actually real. And, and you can read it and you, it tells you exactly at what point in the movie a jump scare is going to appear. Mm. And at the beginning of any situation, if we just know how it's going to end, Mm -hmm. just for Hina, by looking at this website, it diminishes your worry and it gives you clarity about the present circumstance that you're in. And for example, can you imagine how much stress and anxiety it would have saved Hina and I if we just knew Shiloh was going to be all better in just a matter of weeks?
1: Mm. So for the past few weeks, we have been talking about different I am statements from the Gospel of John, where Jesus uses these earthy personal concepts like bread, light, a door, a vine, a shepherd to help us understand who he is. But it turns out there is a bonus I am statement and it's found in the book of Revelation, which we're gonna get to in a couple weeks in our spring series. And this I am statement is much more cosmic, infinite, awe-inducing. Jesus says, I am the alpha and omega which is stating that he is the beginning and the end. So let's see how this I am statement gives us clarity for our lives. We're going to be looking at this I am statement found in chapter one, and there's another one found in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. And because there's so much going on in the book of Revelation, we're really just going to begin with the main verse for today.
0: So here's Revelation chapter one, verse eight. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty.
1: So, in the simplest terms, Alpha and Omega means that God is the first and the last. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet, and Omega is the last. But notice that it doesn't just mean that He is the God of just Alpha and Omega. Here's what one writer says. Alpha and Omega include between them, all the letters. Anything written must use the letters of the alphabet. This is the world that God created, you and I and everything in it. This Jesus that we learned about in the gospels, who brings justice and mercy and life and resurrection is the Jesus at the very beginning, will be at the end and Mm. is everywhere in between. He Mm -hmm. isn't just the Lord of the beginning and the end, but the Lord of everything in between. Mm -hmm. That means it's impossible to make sense of the world apart from Jesus, if he is the Lord of the beginning, middle, end. When Jesus says he is the Alpha and Omega, he is inviting us to sort of a lens for which we can now view everything. Mm -hmm. So recognizing Jesus as Alpha and Omega gives clarity to our present circumstances. And it can give meaning to our past and brings hope to our future.
0: Yeah, so last week we celebrated Easter and it was so much fun because Easter is legitimately my favorite day of the year. The day is just filled with the hope that comes from the resurrection of Jesus. I got to do an Easter egg hunt with my daughter and and Leah's kids. And we got to see a ton of families and friends worshiping together Mm. in their Sunday best. Mm. You even saw me last week as you never saw me before Mm -hmm. leading worship on Easter. Mm. But have you ever noticed how different Good Friday is than Easter Sunday? We don't often invite our friends and neighbors to a Good Friday service. We don't gather our families together in our best Good Friday clothes and take pictures together. Good Friday doesn't have its own cute, fluffy animal attached to it. And oftentimes Good Friday can feel like a stepping stone to Easter. But personally, I think maybe because of my cultural background, Good Friday is also a day that I equally cherish because there is something so beautiful about the fact that the Bible does not shy away from what happened to Jesus. Even here in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, in one of the very few times that we hear the voice of God, in Revelation, he says this, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. This is an acknowledgement of something that had happened in the past. It isn't a fun memory to relive his death. It's not something everyone wants to celebrate, but God is a God who names what has happened. I was dead. God isn't afraid of the past or he doesn't pretend like it didn't happen. God doesn't sugarcoat what happened. Facing the darkness is a part of the road to that resurrection.
1: But I think dealing with our past, especially in cases of trauma can be incredibly Hmm. hard but it can be a vital part of the healing journey, especially with the help of a counselor or a therapist. And I don't mean just repeatedly talking about a traumatic experience in our lives. Something that can have an adverse, sometimes I think that can add Mm. an adverse effect on someone's life, but the principle is still applicable. In the book, The Body Keeps a Score, the author and psychiatrist has this to say about past traumas. Many treatment approaches for traumatic stress focus on desensitizing patients to their past, with the expectation that re-exposure to their traumas will reduce emotional outbursts and flashbacks. I believe that this is based on a misunderstanding of what happens in traumatic stress. We must most of all help our patients to live fully and securely in the present. Mm In order to do that, we need to help bring those brain structures that deserted them when they were overwhelmed by trauma Mm. back. I think so often we kind of want to numb ourselves from the past. And some therapeutic approaches, as this writer is pointing out, seek to do this. But we know even without therapy, we don't really Mm. need help numbing or trying to forget or desensitize ourselves to past pain. Mm. But as this author is saying, if people dealing with traumatic stress, want to live fully and securely in the present, revisiting the past in order to bring back back those brain structures can help with the healing. It can help Mm. with our present. Mm. So an Alpha and Omega God doesn't forget or minimize or exaggerate or numb from the pain of the past, but holds the entirety of existence and of time in His arms. Mm. Jesus doesn't just appear in the future. Jesus has been present from the beginning of time and all of the past is part of what God is doing. And I think that the beginning of healing from our past and the beginning of clarity about maybe our present circumstances happens when we're not ashamed mm. to acknowledge our past. But it's, it's hard. It's really hard to do. Yeah. It's not easy to name things in our past that we feel... Like are shameful, or traumatic, or embarrassing, or humiliating.
0: You know, like when something embarrassing has happened in our past, sometimes we might even lie to other people about what really happened Mm -hmm. to make ourselves look better. Uh, I remember in high school when I didn't make the cut into my high school's basketball team, my friends asked,
1: John, are you okay?
0: Well, and I would say things like, yeah, totally. I I never really wanted to get into that team anyways as tears were rolling down my face in disappointment, I would say things like, I, I was just trying out for the exercise, you know, it was for fun, it wasn't really a serious thing. But, but no, that's not true. It was painful. I was hurt back then. But how often are we honest to ourselves, to others or to God about something in our past that might have been a really painful experience? Mm-hmm.
1: I think kids often intuit the need to look at history without fear and without falsity. I notice this in my three-year-old. She has this way of bringing up things that I either hope that she won't notice or (laughs) hope that she'll forget. Mom, why were you mad at dad? Mm. Mom, what happened to that bunny that's laying there? Why isn't it moving? Mom, your grandma died, right? Mm. Mom, you were sad this morning, right? How much I want to just like, ju- yeah. brush past her inquiries and need to name and understand the hard things that she's seeing and trying to process. But child development experts say that glossing over and giving simple assurances isn't actually that helpful, but naming with them something that is hard and being attentive to how that makes them feel is really important for their brain development and emotional health. I think sometimes we act like talking about hard things that have happened gives it like too much power. For any Harry Potter fans out there, it's a bit like the fear or taboo of uttering the cursed name, Voldemort, and making yourself instantly findable by the Death Eaters. I don't think our past is like this. Instead, we can name the problem without being controlled or overrun by it. Mm. God has been there from the beginning middle and end. God isn't just a future hope. God was there.
0: For the past few weeks, we mentioned that we've been focusing on the I am statements of Jesus. But what about the I was statements of Jesus? Because Jesus was betrayed by his friends. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was hated, Jesus was sold for money, Jesus was flogged, Jesus was anxious, Jesus was humiliated, Jesus was dead. What's something in your story that you found hard to acknowledge? What is something that is hard to name or acknowledge from your past? What is your I was statement? Were you humiliated, shamed, not loved? we cared for. Because if even Jesus is unafraid to acknowledge and name his past, we shouldn't be either. He gives meaning to our past, however, hard or confusing, because it is included in the story of God. We know that in the future, all things will be made new. The rest of Jesus' statement here in Revelation says this, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. I love the continuation of this verse. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive. In the English, it sounds almost like the way a kid would tell an adult to look at me, look at me. I was dead. And now look, there's something exuberant about it. I am alive forever and ever. Despite the betrayal, despite the persecution, despite the humiliation, look, I am now alive. Look at what has happened to me. And the book of Revelation gives us a glimpse into God's vision for what will happen to us and to this world. Because he's not just a God of the past, but he is also a God of the future. Mm. And he gives us hope for our future as well.
1: Mm. So hope for our future. It's no secret if you're familiar at all with the book of Revelation that it has something to say about the future. It's an apocalyptic literature which we associate with end-of-world predictions or prophecies. But it's not as straightforward as we may think. The Greek apocalypses means unveiling or revealing. So it's a literature that artfully depicts what is otherwise unfathomable in an imaginative and revealing way. So we'll spend time this spring diving deeper into the rest of the book and all of the dramatic and dynamic imagery that it entails. But here at the start of the book with this seemingly simple I am statement is a critical window into the future. Uh Jesus is saying, I am the alpha and omega. The same phrase is uttered again at the very end of the book, creating two very important bookends and pillars here in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 21, verse six, the text says, "'He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life.
0: Mm. Now, for the original hearers of this letter, this meant something very significant. Because this letter is written towards the end of the first century during Emperor Domitian's reign, also known as the reign of terror. We know that there is sur- suffering and persecution because John, the author of the book, himself is exiled and calls himself a companion in the suffering. Verse nine says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus.
1: Mm. So John is writing this letter to some churches that desperately needed to be reminded and need to be empowered to envision and imagine a future where God really is victorious over evil. In the face of oppression and a corrupt but very powerful government, they needed their imagination stirred. They needed to be reminded of their ultimate future. They are discouraged. They had grown stagnant. They had lost their sense of hope. But verse seven of chapter one declares this, look, he is coming with the clouds. Jesus is coming. And later at the end of Revelation, in chapter 21, it's put like this, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God pointing to a future place where God's presence saturates the entire earth. A time as the culmination of the work that Jesus began in his earthly ministry to heal the broken, to confront corrupt powers, to disrupt the religious systems that did more enslaving than freeing at times, and to conquer the evil that seeks to kill and destroy. This work will be completed in the end. And for that, we can rejoice And faith is rejoicing in just that, even when this work is not yet complete. The end is connected to the beginning. Omega isn't leaving alpha behind, so to speak. In the beginning, God created out of nothing. In the new heaven and the new earth, God will transform this. The future will be different than the past and the present that is still riddled with suffering and violence. But the future, the end, will be built on this past and this present. So a future hope is not predeterminism. It isn't fatalism. It infuses the present with purpose. Have you ever given up or gotten complacent Because you've either lost hope in the future, or lost sight, or how your life fits into the bigger picture.
0: In high school, after my high school basketball rejection, I decided to join the track team because they didn't have tryouts. They just let everybody run. But with my flat feet, my acceleration left a lot to be desired. But I still ran in the meets because they needed people to run. And after about five meets of coming in dead last amongst the group of already the slowest runners, I thought to myself, what's the point of coming to these practices and meets when I know what's going to happen anyways? And I just stopped trying and working, thinking that there was no hope in my future. But in the midst of that, I still, tr- I still started to attend the practices and meets, even though I wasn't trying as hard, but something really beautiful happened in the midst of those moments, because during some of these practices and meets, I got to develop really meaningful friendships and relationships. Ones that I would have never developed if I gave up thinking mm. that the end results were already determined. Mm.
1: So recognizing Jesus as Alpha and Omega gives us a hope for the future where Jesus returns will triumph over suffering. And recognizing Jesus as Alpha and Omega gives us meaning to our past, as we don't have to fear what has been, but can face it trusting that it too, however hard or dark, can be a part of God's restorative work going forward. So therefore, recognizing Jesus as Alpha and Omega really can and does give clarity to our present.
0: And clarity is something that we need because our lives might often feel kind of blurry, right? Aimless. But clarity doesn't mean living without Mm. suspicions or doubts or that all of your problems in this present world are solved. For those of us with poor eyesight like myself, you know that when you put on glasses, it doesn't mean your eyesight is all of a sudden fixed. Mm. You can only see clearly as long as you have your glasses or contacts on. The second you take it off, everything becomes blurry again. And so, yes, the present reality still exists. But when we put on the lens of an Alpha and Omega God, He gives meaning to our past. He gives us hope for our future. And we begin to see more clearly how we can live with clarity for today in the midst of our present circumstances. Mm. So here are just some ways a life, um, a, a life of recognizing Jesus as Alpha and Omega looks like.
1: So I think first, maybe there's an invitation to process our past. Maybe it's an invitation to therapy, an invitation to speak to someone about what has happened or something in your past, to begin the journey toward healing from traumatic events, to process a difficult event. What is your I was statement? When we're able to name and acknowledge our past, I think it can help bring clarity to our present life and circumstances. And honestly, I think it can help others as well. Last week at Easter, Mm. we heard the story of Kevin who was willing to share his story of recovery so Mm. vulnerably with us. And he shared with us how he was running away from God and abusing alcohol and trying to escape the void that he felt in his life after his dad's death at a young age. And when Kevin shared this, he talked about a new freedom that Mm. came. I think facing our past can really give us freedom to live in the present.
0: Mm. Second, maybe you're, you're feeling hopeless about the future because of your present circumstance. Feeling stuck or complacent because of what feels like a life that doesn't matter. Mm. Jesus, as beginning and end, he invites us to be co-partners with him in the building of the God of the kingdom of God here on earth. Mm. In a couple of weeks, we're launching a new sermon series from the book of Revelation titled, titled, For the Good of the World. The future though, is one of hope. It's not fatalistic or deterministic. We have a part to play now in big and small ways.
1: Mm. And finally, we haven't really talked about this explicitly, but I think there's an invitation into the power of worship as a way to Mm. practice awe and wonder Worship as response, worship as a way to search, worship as singing, worship as praying, worship as meditating on a piece of scripture and contemplating the expansiveness of this God. Worship is a way that we can learn to recognize Jesus as Alpha and Omega. I was watching a video of an astrophysicist talking about the beginning of the universe And he said a simple line that just completely blew me away. Something that I already knew before. He said, even the universe has a beginning. Mm. Everything we know about in existence has a beginning. God is more expansive than we can comprehend. This universe is more expansive than we can comprehend. And the funny thing that happens is is in encountering this expansive God, we discover a God who cares about this moment, this present, Mm -hmm. this past, this person.
0: It's been just over three years now since the birth of our daughter Shiloh, and we now have a 14-month-old son too, Kona. We're still in a beginning in so many ways with so many unknowns ahead. And every single day I can think of new things to be worried about, to be stressed about, about my present circumstances. But I feel like this message is almost a message for me and for our family. As we stress and worry about things that we might've done wrong to our children, about things that we could have done better, things we might not be doing right, or some things that might not be going right in their lives worried about their future, about what they're going to become or who they're going to be. All of those things are still things that my family, my wife and I still deal with and think about. But I think our message today and I think what God's word for us today, as he declares and tells us that I am alpha and omega, he's reminding me and reminding us Mm. that he is Lord over the beginning, the past, everything in between our present Mm. and everything in the future as well. Mm.
1: As we were sort of hashing through this message uh, over these past several days and figuring out kind of where we would land, we were feeling a bit stuck. And we had been talking about a song that John had shared called Alpha and Omega. The lines are, you are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Just then, literally as we're discussing this, one of our worship leaders here texts us an unreleased recording of this song sung by some musicians who are have been connected to grace over the years. And as we listened, we both just sat there in awe. Mm. And we could feel in these words, in the singer's voice and in the musician's instrumentation, just how recognizing Jesus as Alpha and Omega can give meaning to our past, mm. hope for our future, and clarity to our present. So we, we actually asked permission to play that recording for you today. And as you listen and as we close, we invite your body and spirit mm. to take in this proclamation. God, you are Alpha. You are Omega, you are the beginning, you are the end. We worship you, O Lord, our God. We ask that your spirit would hover over each person who hears these words. Mm. May your spirit hover over our past, May your spirit hover over our future mm. and be with us in this day, in this moment, and this present circumstance. Mm. In your name we pray. Amen.
2: Mm. Mm.